welcome to the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. Here we will have a collection of sermons, conversations, and other inspirational material to help you grow in your walk with God. We hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. That was incredible. Not because of who we are, amen, but because of who God is. Let's turn over to 1 John as we uh, prepare our hearts for our communion this morning. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light... If we, walk in the, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What an incredible verse, couple verses here to describe our relationship to God and our fellowship, amen, uh, together. You know, recently several of us heard a lesson Uh, on relationships from a brother. And he used this text to kind of set up the theme of relationships in in the body. And he compared sin to physical wounds, which I thought was a really, uh, you know, a really good way to do it. You know, physically, when we get wounded or injured, right, we, we try to protect that injured part of our body. We, we cover it up. We, we put bubble wrap around it or whatever. We, we stay away from uh, possible irritants. We keep it away from sources of irritation uh, and contact with other things. But what inevitably happens, you know, when you're injured? Uh, you know, that, that injury gets bumped into by something or someone and uh, maybe poked. And it's painful, yes, but it also, you know, it gets us really frustrated. We get uh, irritated with other people maybe, mad at someone in the church that's bumped up against us or our wife or some other uh, irritant that we have. And, of course, spiritually this is true too, you know. You know, and, and comparing, did you guys read something into that about Kathy that I, maybe, I didn't intend. But, uh, you know, recently, and it, I thought the analogy was great, really, when you think about the, our sinful nature. It's like a woundedness. It's like a wound that we have. And, you know, recently my sinful nature got exposed. And... Um, you know, I sinned against people. I got inward focused. I started feeling sorry for myself. Uh, all of the things I described about, you know, trying to be self-protective, you know, I did that because of the sin that was in my heart, in my life. And a great friend, Bruce Miller, you know, he, he knows me pretty well. He sensed something was off. And so he, you know, says, hey, can we, 
can we just hang out? You know, can I come over to your house? And uh, so he did. He sat with me. He asked me some questions. And, uh, you know, he, he just listened. He just listened to me. He, it wasn't like there was some amazing solutions that he offered me. He just loved me. And he just listened to me. And I'm sure I gave him more than he bargained for. You know, I, I probably, you know, there was a little bit of a catharsis in my response. You know, some things came out that I didn't even expect was, were, were going to come out. But he just sat with me and listened to me. And I just thought, you know, that's, that's what this passage is all about uh, when we talk about bringing ourselves into the light. Uh, allowing ourselves to be exposed. You know, Bruce just gave me an opportunity to, to expose those wounds, to get, to get them out in the light. And I just needed a safe place. You know, and, and Bruce was, you know, a very safe place for me. You know, he's a long-time friend who just loves me unconditionally. And we need that from each other so much. You know, I think about this passage, and it just says that, you know, um, if we claim to have fellowship, but we walk in the darkness, or we don't let ourselves be exposed, let those wounds be exposed, that, that we're living a lie. And really, if you, in, on the positive side of that, it says, my worst parts the things that I'm trying to protect and, and hide, they're okay. You know, I, that's who I am. I don't need to be, pretend to be somebody I'm not or try to be like I'm, I'm this, you know, amazing person who has no wounds or that, you know, I'm going to be able to do this on my own. No, we, we need each other. And... I just need to stop trying to protect myself to, to look perfect or, or whatever it is my motivation is. It's good news. The gospel in our lives, it's amazing. It's a wonderful a blessing that this passage talks about. It's the benefit of being in Christ, that we're able to have that kind of openness, that kind of vulnerability, because we all have wounds, we all need to let them be in the light and to be healed. You know, but it didn't come easy, did it? That freedom, that light came at a dear price, and that's why we take communion every week. That's why we try to center our hearts and our lives on Jesus every day. But let's be reminded now, as it states here, you know, this comes because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus who purifies us from all those wounds, from all those sins. So as we take the bread and the juice now, let's really have our hearts centered on the price that Jesus paid for us to have that kind of freedom that ability to, you know, not worry about, you know, separating ourselves uh, or being in the darkness, 
but to be exposed to God's wonderful light. Amen. Let's pray as we take uh, the uh, bread and the juice. God, it is such a blessing to, to come together and be a part of a fellowship that strives to love you, that strives to love one another and be unified, God. And most of all, we're so grateful that what unifies us is not some common philosophy or uh, school of thought, but it's the, the blood of Jesus, God. And we pray to go back to Jesus and his death, burial, resurrection to be the center of everything we do, God, to be able to be in the light, to not be ashamed of the wounds or try to hide what is inevitable in each of our lives, which is our sinful nature, God, but to allow ourselves to be in the light and to be purified by the blood of Jesus. God, may we think about the price that Jesus paid right now as we take the bread and we take the juice. We thank you so much for him and pray in his name. Amen. Yeah, uh, we, this one's great. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Good morning, Pioneer Valley. It is great to be with you guys today. What a wonderful church. What a great worship service. Let's give it up for the worship team. Uh, it's been it's been wonderful for us to get to know the church out here. I've gotten to meet with so many of you, gotten to fellowship with so many of you. My wife, on the other hand, hasn't had that opportunity as much. As was mentioned, our, our daughter Charlotte, uh, she got sick. She got a stomach bug, so she's been throwing up this weekend. And we're like, we're not going to do that to all the other parents. You know, we're not going to bring her to church and be like, oh, she's all better now, right? I think, maybe. And then everybody else's kids this week are throwing up. So uh, we were just like, you know what, let's have her stay home. But my wife, she sends her love. This is my wife, Samantha, right here. Uh, you know, she comes from a, a, an Italian family in Chicago. Um, they, they're all five foot something on the low end. And so when I'm around them, I look like a giant and I feel awesome. I'm just like, I'm 5'9", I'm average height, right? Like, but when I'm around them, they really make me feel good about myself. Uh, and this is our, these are our kids right here. Uh, on the left, you have Charlotte. And then this is Judah on the right. Um, Judah's almost nine months old. Charlotte's four years old. She looks younger than that because she is the line on the growth curve. You know, that bottom line, that's, that's Charlotte. She's tiny. Um, and so, but uh, we love our kids. We're, we feel just so blessed to have the family that we do. I come bringing love from your sister church in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, we can give it up for that. Some of you guys may know Chris and Megan Zillman. That name might sound familiar. So Chris and Megan uh, helped train me and Samantha in campus ministry in the Midwest family of churches. Um, in the last 12 years, me and Samantha have been doing campus ministry. And so we were, we were doing campus, and we were ready to get out, and they were like, actually, we need you to stay in just a little bit longer. Can you stay in and, like, train this next wave? And I was like, sure. And that's happened, like, twice more now. <laughs> and so we're still doing campus ministry. We love campus. We love training the next generation, raising up young men and women. Uh, we love campus ministry. 
And I'm also, I have to wear a hat on campus now. You know, like, I have to wear a hat, I, I throw my bag on. People are like, something's different about you. You don't, you don't belong here. I get by, I get by. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's great. I love campus ministry. I'm excited to interview with you guys this weekend. Just love the people here. Such genuine people. Uh, the uh, Sajan and Lisa have just done a great job with the church. And obviously you guys love and trust them. And it's hard. What you guys are going through is hard. And I sympathize with that. It's hard to lose a leader that you've had for a really long time. But that means you guys have high trust with them. That's a very good thing. And the Heatons are doing a great job. Everyone's doing such a good job during this process. And the Quists, of course. And so I'm so appreciative of everyone involved with this weekend. But I'm excited to preach the word to you this morning. And so I'm an interactive preacher. I played football and basketball in high school. I love mixing it up a little bit. So if you hear something you like, let me know. Uh, a little heckling is okay in my book. I'm good with that. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Zillman was raised up in this church. Heckling is a good thing. Yeah, there it is. All right. Talk is cheap is the name of my sermon this morning. Talk is cheap. It's cheap. You know why I love Michael Jordan and Larry Bird? Because talk is cheap. When someone got in their face and they were like, they were mixing it up on the court, they always went to another level after that moment. You watch some of those uh, documentaries. Honestly, that's a, Jordan's documentary is really just a commercial for Michael Jordan, isn't it? If you watch it, it's like, oh, Michael Jordan's amazing. And he is. But I love watching him play. I'm not a Bulls fan, but I love watching him play. And Larry Bird did the same thing. I'm in Celtics land, right? I got to talk about Larry Bird a little bit. Uh, they, they did the same thing. They went up a notch. They walked the walk. They didn't just talk. When someone got in their face and started talking trash, they were like, all right, let me show you what I'm about then. Because talk is cheap. We can't talk a big game spiritually, but have our lives say something very different. We cannot talk a big game spiritually but have our lives say something very different. Social media is great, but there's a lot of talk on social media. A lot of talk about activism and doing this thing and that, and but our lives, can we can reflect something on social media that we don't actually live out in real life, can't we? We can paint a picture. We can cultivate an image that isn't actually us. Tom was talking about that a little bit in, the sermon, or in his communion this morning. It was so convicting. It was kind of like a sermon like a sermon, but, <laughs> but even, if, even if we're Christians, we're broken, right? Even if we're Christians today, if, if you made the decision to follow Christ, you are still broken in need of saving, aren't you? We look forward to that day of salvation, but I don't know about you, my flesh is still broken. My flesh is still broken. You see, let me, let me tell you a little story real quick. Me and my wife were headed to celebrate our anniversary recently. And uh, we, were, we were driving and we're on the highway. And for whatever reason in Indy, the highways are like 55, 60. I'm like, I can't. This is so hard to go this speed. And so 
I'm in the left lane, and this guy, this big Jeep that's raised up, has these huge mud tires, comes flying. I see him in my rearview mirror, and it's like the Tasmanian devil just coming right up on me. I'm like, whoa, this guy's moving. And he gets right up on my bumper. And I'm, I'm passing the person. I'm trying to get out of his way. But he has no patience for it. He starts flashing his light, honking his horn. Come on, come on, come on. I'm in, I'm in a hurry. Get out of my way. He's from New England. There it is. Us Midwesterners, we, we're a little, a little slower, I guess. But... He gets up on me, and I'm like, you know what? I don't have the patience for this. My flesh is broken. So you know what I do? I just, I don't brake check, because that's too aggressive. I just let my foot off the gas. And now I'm just coasting next to this car next to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't notice you there. I slow down, and then he's really mad. And I just stay there for a moment. And then he gets even closer. And I let off even more. I'm like, obviously, the humble pie that I'm trying to take, uh, give to you, you are not willing to eat. So I'm going to give you a second slice now. You want some. Jamie wants some. This, But you know what I... It takes just a moment, just one moment for me to get back in touch with how broken my flesh is. I've been a Christian for 20-something years. How is it that easy for me to lean back into my sinful nature? How is it? My flesh is broken. I'm petty. I'm selfish. I'm arrogant. And it just takes one moment to get back into it. If you've got your Bible, go to 1 John we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. Tom came out of 1 John. I'm coming out of 1 John. That was an accident, but amen for the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. I have two points this morning. The first one is this. We are loved in our brokenness. We are loved in our brokenness. Talk is cheap, but we are loved in our brokenness. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And, and, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You know, this is a definitive statement from John. He walked with Christ. He got to watch Christ be crucified. He was there at the foot of the cross with Mary, the mother of Jesus. He watched all this happen. And his takeaway is, you know what? He laid down our, his life for, for us. How can we do anything other than lay down our lives for each other? He says, this is how we know what love is. We experience this. You know, we all come into church with misconceptions about love, don't we? Like when maybe you came in in the campus ministry or your parents brought you to church and you're a teen. And you, we come into church with misconceptions. We bring our family baggage. And trust me, my family has plenty of baggage. Kind of weighs my back down sometimes. But we come in and we bring our baggage about what we think love is and what it should be like and how we should be treated. And John clarifies 
all of that. He goes, you want to know what love is? It's to lay your life down like Jesus laid his life down. He's, he loves us in our brokenness. God defines his love for us in the action he takes on the cross. Can I get an amen on that? You know, it's, it's odd to me that 1 John 3.16 sounds a whole lot like John 3.16, doesn't it? Let's go look at that one real quick. Got the scriptures up here. I'm forgetting about them. My bad, guys. Here we go. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. See, for God, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. He saw our need, and he was like, you know what? I can't leave them out there on their own. I'm going to step in. I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to put my life. I'm going to give my one and my only son for their greatest need. You see, sin is like a grenade that someone just clicked and threw in into our circle. And Jesus saw it and was like, looked at us. And jumped on it. He said, no, I can't let it in like this for them. No, I'm going to take the hit myself. I'm going to be the one who suffers so that they might live. Guys, even though we're broken and we come to church broken, Christian, not Christian, maybe this is your first Sunday. If it is, welcome. It's my first Sunday here too. This is a loving church. It's a great church. I hope, I hope you stay. But if it's your first Sunday, you're loved. If you've been coming for 20-something years, hey, same message. You're loved. The cross is just as valuable, if not more valuable, because when we became a Christian, we said we're, we're done with sin. And I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of sin since I've been a Christian. And I need the cross even more today than I needed it yesterday or the day before. But God loves us in our brokenness. For Jesus, it's pretty simple. It's selfless, surrendered sacrifice is love. Selfless, surrendered sacrifice. God looks down and he sees us in the midst of our brokenness and he says, I won't let the story end like that. To kind of bring this point home, let me tell you a story. I love telling stories. It's, it's a major part of my preaching style. It just helps me understand things, okay? So run with me. I've got a story for you here. Selfless surrendered sacrifice. That's not the story. Uh, this is Butch O'Hare. Butch O'Hare was a pilot. Uh, and on February 20th, 1942, his squadron took off from the USS Lexington and it launched from Pearl Harbor. The Lexington launched from Pearl Harbor, and his, his squadron was to protect the boat and go on bombing missions. And so his squadron went on a bombing mission, and he was the last one to take off. His squadron was out of radio distance from him at that time. And so what, what happened was he saw a fleet of Japanese planes, eight bombers, a formation of Japanese planes, headed straight for the Lexington. But he couldn't contact the other people in his squadron, the other pilots in his squadron, to come and help him fight. 
And he couldn't go back and warn the ship. There was no real way to do much. The ship basically didn't have much defense. It was more than likely that they were going to get bombed. All of his friends, all of the, the people he went through training with, dead. And so Butch O'Hare decided, you know what? Let me be the one to suffer. Let me be the one. And so he went, he engaged, and got into a dogfight with eight other planes. One against eight. The dude took down five with his guns. Five other planes. He was a nuisance, right? He's just, he's just hawking them. And then he runs out of ammunition. So there's three planes left. And what does he do? He starts aiming his plane at the other planes. He starts trying to take out and clip the other planes with his plane. Two of the bombers got scared away by this. They're like, well, I might die if he hits my plane, so I'm going to get out of here. And so they go away. One bomber made it to the ship. The ship took it out. The ship's guns took it out. No bombs were dropped that day. Butch died, though, because he ran out of gas. He just didn't have the, he ran out of gas. Butch gave his life so that his friends might live. And now Chicago's airport is named after Butch O'Hare, O'Hare Airport, right? So Jesus similarly said, no, 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 no. I see what's coming. I see that wrath. I see what sin deserves. I see what Ross has done. I know his life. I know his sin. He won't make it without this. And Jesus said, let me be the one, God. Let me be the one. Guys, you and I, we're loved this morning in our brokenness. You may not be perfect. That's perfectly okay. Because God loves you in your brokenness. Amen? My second point this morning is this. Loving despite our brokenness. Okay? Loving despite our brokenness. We're going to continue on in 1 John 3. 1 John 3. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Why? Because talk is cheap. But with actions and in truth. Loving despite our brokenness. You see, we're broken, but that doesn't mean that we can't do something good in this life. We can do something amazing if we're willing to. If we're willing to love despite our brokenness, to go, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus' example. I'm going to lay my life out for my brothers and sisters. He says, if anyone has material possessions, and we live in America, I think we got a few material possessions. Uh, safe to say that? I know I'm not in the Midwest anymore, but I'm just going to make an assumption here. We got a few. You know, but I don't think this point is simply about material possessions. Right? I think it's bigger than that. I think it's bigger than that. I think what John is saying here is that our love for each other should be inspired by Christ and should flow to one another. It should be inspired by Christ 
and should flow. And so, yeah, whatever you have, material possessions, if it's money, if it's, you know, if, you, if you're, you've got the gift of singing and worship, use that. Give that, right? Maybe your gift is, maybe you're a carpenter. Use that. Give that. Use whatever you have to take care of one another. That's the point, isn't it? That's the point. But the part of the scripture doesn't get as many amens I've found. It doesn't get as many amens. Because this is the part, we love the first part. We're like, oh, Jesus saved me. That's amazing. Let's go. And it's like, yeah, and lay your life out. And we're like, ah, ah. that's going to that's gonna cost me a little bit. It's going to be hard. Selfless, surrendered sacrifice is how Jesus showed us that talk is cheap. And how do we show the world that talk is cheap? Selfless, surrendered sacrifice. It's scary, isn't it? Anybody else feel a little, a little queasy about that? Like, to give it all up, Jesus? To give it, to give it all? And why? Why is it hard? We could love Jesus like this. But why is it hard for us to love each other like this? Well, Jesus has never hurt us. He's only done good to us. But the church, sometimes the church, as Tom put it, we bump into each other. Sometimes the church hurts a little bit. You know, but have we changed the standard of love? John's basic point is this. How can you claim to love God who you can't see if you refuse to love the person in front of you who you can see. Or to say it more simply, talk is cheap. Let's see your love for God by how you love other people. I've got somewhat of a dysfunctional family. We put the fun in dysfunctional. Um, Anybody else? Can I get an amen on that? I'm not alone? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Great. Imagine for a moment that you're at a family event. You know, Easter was last weekend, so let's just say Easter. You're at an Easter dinner, right? And you, uh, you get to sit between the two members of the family that are fighting, that aren't on speaking terms, you know? And, and you get to sit, and you're, you realize you're in the middle of the Cold War, right? I mean, it's icy. They're like, hey, would you pass the rolls? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. And you start to talk over here, and then you're like, oh, yeah. And you connect the conversation, and they're like, whoop, they've turned the opposite way. That disharmony, right, like that, that, that coldness, you can feel it, can't you? Now, let's raise the stakes. What if that dinner, you paid for the whole dinner, and you planned the whole dinner? And you're like, you know what? Let's, let's, uh, let's, you pay for the whole dinner and you're like, let's, let's have this time. It'll be great. And then they still allow that disharmony to exist, that, that disconnection. Now let's raise the stakes a little bit more. What if you were giving your very life for that dinner? What if it was, it cost you all that you had? to treat your family with this dinner. And this is the response that you get. 
is the cold war going across you? Now we're in Christ's shoes a little bit, aren't we? Because he gave his very life so that we might be unified. So that we might experience the love and be able to share that love. And sometimes we can respond with a little bit of a cold war with our brothers and sisters, can't we? We can go, mm, not that brother. Fellowship, you kind of make eye contact. You're like, mm, can I go over here? We can allow bitter roots to exist. Have we changed the standard of love? Have we changed the standard of love? Can I share a concern with you guys this morning? Something I'm concerned about, I see this nationwide. This is not a, a Springfield issue. This is a this is an American Christianity issue right now. I think we've we've allowed the standard to change a little bit. We've allowed it to change. I think we've gotten comfortable with a, a lower version of love. There's the love that Jesus gives us, and then we hear the scripture like this in First John, where John says, "Talk is cheap," and we go. Yeah, but do I really have to love like that? Really? Do I, I really have to love like that? Well, isn't it good enough for me to just love Jesus? Can't I be like a, an isolated saint, a lone ranger Christian? Can't I just do this on my own? Not according to John. Not according to the Holy Spirit who inspired John. No, no, no. He says, you want to know what your love for God is like? Look at how you're loving your brothers and sisters. That's incredibly convicting to me. I am, it makes me reorient how I treat my brothers and sisters. It may be messy. It may take time to forgive or to get reconciled. But we can't move the goalpost of perfect reconciliation between brothers and sisters. We have to continue on towards that. We have to continue on towards total unity in the church. John looks at that type of love and says, that's the type of love that Jesus loved the church with. That's the type of love that we should aim for. As we begin to close down this morning, I got an, an illustration and a question for you. Uh, e, I want to tell you about Easy Eddie. Um, I don't click back home, so I'm not used to doing this. Uh, so uh, let's see. I'm way behind on my slides, guys. My bad. All right, Easy Eddie. Anybody recognize the other guy? The guy on the left? Yeah. Al Capone. Al Capone. Mob boss, right? Mob boss out of Chicago. Yeah. Now, Al Capone uh, was one of the biggest gangsters in the mid-1900s. And he was, a, he was a bad dude. You talk about bad dudes. Al Capone was a bad, bad guy. Now, the thing about Al Capone was he was untouchable. That's why they named the movie about them trying to get him, the untouchables, right? Why? Because he was untouchable, so it took this police force being untouchable to go and get him, basically. And what that police force did was they went after Al Capone's one weakness. And you know who Al Capone's one weakness was? 
Easy Eddie. Easy Eddie, the guy on the right. You see, Easy Eddie was an accountant. And like all geniuses, all geniuses, the mob boss is never the actual genius. It's always the accountant, isn't it? It's always the, the accountant. It's the unassuming guy who's like, you know what we could do. Uh, the accountant is always the guy that has to get caught for everything to unravel, it seems like. All right, well, that's true in this case, too. And Easy Eddie, he had Al Capone's real books, and then he had Al Capone's real, real books. And Al Capone was turning this set of books into the, into the government, and then actually his functional, uh, all of the crime and all the payouts and all the stuff was recorded in this set of books. And for the FBI, they wanted to get that set of books. If they could get that set of books, they could throw Al Capone in for racketeering. They could get him. And so they went after Easy Eddie. And Easy Eddie didn't give himself up until he realized that his son was getting older. You see, he started to begin to look at his child and say, oh no, he's going to be just like me. If I don't change my life, he's going to end up just like me. And so he was like, I have to, I have to step in front of it. Now you cross a mob boss, you cross Capone, that's your life. You're gone. You're swimming with the fishes, right? And so what did he do? He turned in the books, and later that year, he was stabbed four times. Lost his life. But he decided, I've got to give my son a new start, or else he's going to live this life. You see, Easy Eddie did not want his son to become just like him, so he stepped in front of the train. He fell on the grenade. He took the punishment so that his life might, his son's life might be different. Now here's the thing. Easy Eddie's son is Butch O'Hare. Easy Eddie O'Hare. Easy Eddie could not have foreseen what his choice would do to his son. And what his choice would inspire, the type of man that Butch would become, he had no idea. He didn't get to see it. But Butch, he learned from that example, didn't he? And he said, no, I, I'll step in front. I'll take the punishment. I'll be the one to suffer so that others might live. He imitated that selfless, surrendered sacrifice. Have you considered, church, what your example could do for another person this morning? Parents, have you considered that selfless, surrendered sacrifice could inspire your children to change this world for God? Campus ministry, could you set an example of selfless, surrendered sacrifice in a generation that seems self-interested? That you would say, I will give my life for God. Teens, guys, we need you. We need you. You're the next generation, guys. Will you take up the call and say, I'll put my life aside so that others might live? <laughs> Have you considered what your selfless, surrendered sacrifice might inspire another to do?
We talk a lot about growing the church. If we love like this, God will grow it. He'll do it. If we love like this, we'll change Springfield. Guys, I love you. Thank you for your time this morning. Amen. This has been an episode of the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.pioneervalleycoc.org.